With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Monday podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vajos and Ken Lavin. How you guys doing? Good, good. Very tired. <laughs> well, have we got a topic then I'm sure that you'll love. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's do Promote Extend Trade. And on this day in 1978, the infamous Star Wars Holiday Special was aired oh, on CBS. Lord. Mm-hmm. It got panned, horrible ratings, and basically George Lucas tried to steal it away in a vault like the Animaniacs. And it was supposed to be forever, but of course the internet happened, and people uh, uploaded their bootlegs onto places like YouTube, and it's all light again. And for as bad as it was, it did introduce a bunch of things that turned out to be pretty important in the Star Wars pre-Disney universe. Um, basically, Boba Fett. And the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk. So in honor of Kashyyyk, which is pretty much impossible to spell without looking it up. <laughs> K-A-S-H-Y-Y-K. Three Ys. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> so in honor of that, um, who are we going to promote extend trade of these Mets players with equally impossible names to spell? Uh-oh. First, we have Kevin Kesmarski. Then we have Kirk Neuenheis. And lastly, Adani Echeverria. It's not a great list. <laughs> well, I tried to pick guys that are equally uh, shitty. I think I could do Neuenheis off the top of my head. N-I-E-U-W-E-N-H-I-E-S? Nope. Damn it. And... I E U W E N H U I S? Nope. Ah! No E. No E. It's Amen. N I E U W I N H U I S. Ah. Well, I don't know if you know this, but he he did play football. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, I'm gonna, just for, solely because of that, uh, I don't know if you got, oh, I'm sure you do, you remember that comeback in 2015 against the Nationals? Where he uh, took Jonathan Papelbon and his stupid face deep late. Um, how he lost his mind on the call. Dilson is like screaming in the dugout as Newenheis gets back. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, uh, extend Newenheis just for that. Uh, Kasmarski or Echeverria? Crap. Um, I feel like Hetcheveria has had a big league career. That's true. Yeah, so I yeah, guess extend Etch and then uh, trade 
Kazmarski. Who is is a big leaguer, just not necessarily one of consequence yet. Or probably ever, but... Yeah. Not impossible, but not likely. (laughs) (laughs) Try not not to be uh, overly critical there, but yeah. Yeah, I kept... I, I extended Kirk, just because his... uh. Mets career was was kind of flashy in the pan, but I mean it it, it did happen. I did forget that Echeverria did have pretty decent, fairly long career. Who did he come up with? The Marlins or the Blue Jays? So he was with the Blue Jays, and they traded him for Reyes. Reyes. He, yeah, I don't right. think he ever debuted with uh the. I don't think he ever played for the Blue Jays. The weird thing about his career is that like. He supposedly was this elite defender, and the metrics never backed it up for years and years. It's like, was he just really bad, or the metrics just really off? Don't know. All right, well, yeah, there's three equally Scrabble names for you. I guess Kazmorski would get you the highest Scrabble score because of the Z. Was that the um, criteria we were using? Oh, no. I mean, it's whatever criteria you want, but just looking at them. I'm just trying to remember. I, I kind of had him confused with Echevria, but there was the Cuban shortstop dude from maybe a decade ago or so, the early 2010s, who signed with the Dodgers. And off the top of my head, I don't remember how to pronounce his name, but it was equally uh, crazy. Arubara Arena? Arubara Arena. Arubara Arena. I remember who you're talking about. He would have fit in very well. How do you spell that? uh, Do you want to try it? No. (laughs) Arispel, I'm making sure this is the right player. Arispel Arubara Arena. A-R-R-U-E-B-A-R-R-E-N-A. Arubara yeah, it's too bad that he never was a Met because he would have been a nice, nice pick addition to this group here. He got a grand total of 45 at-bats in the major leagues with a strikeout rate of 37.8. Not great. Yeah, no, no. All right, well, uh, moving on now. This week, we are going to be going over Binghamton. And a few years ago, 2017, they rebranded. They went from being the Binghamton Mets to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. And there was all that excitement surrounding the team, win-lose, whatever. It was still kind of new, novel, fun Rumble Ponies. Yeah. 2018, uh, they had a certain Heisman Trophy award-winning outfielder. And there was some excitement surrounding the team as a result of that. But last season, 2019, there was really... Nothing interesting going on in that regard. They had a new coach, Kevin Bowles, but whatever. No one gets really excited for, you know, managers or coaching staffs, unless your new manager is Carlos Beltran, I guess. But they did have a bunch of prospects. They were not all necessarily exciting prospects, but there were a bunch of them with a few marquee names. There was Andres Jimenez, who was our second best prospect coming to the season. There was David Peterson. He was our fourth best. Anthony Kay, our 10th best, Stephen Valines, our 17th best, and Will Toffey, who we ranked 21 coming into the season. 
And in addition to them, there are a couple of borderline guys like Carol Gonzalez, Ryder Ryan, Adonis Uceta that started with the team, whatever you want to consider him, uh, you know, farmhands, prospect, whatever, Mickey Janis. Everyone loves knuckleball pitchers. So, you know, it might not have been an exciting bunch necessarily, but it seemed like it was a pretty solid group that wins some ball games. And things did start off good. They went 11 and 8 in April, and then they went 19 and 11 in May, including a combined no hitter thrown by Harold and Ryder Ryan. And for most of the first half, since this was the first year that the Eastern League instituted a split season format, they jockeyed with the Trenton Thunder, the Reading Fighting Phils, and the Hartford Yard Goats for first place. But they hit a skid in June, and they ended the first half 35-29, and 29, which is good for fourth place. Things went downhill in the second half. Uh, most notably, they lost Harold and Anthony Kay, both of whom are having great seasons. They kind of did get some replacements in the form of Kevin Smith and Tony DeBrell, uh, coming up from St. Lucie. But the two of them were not able to produce the same kind of numbers that Harold and Kay were doing. Uh, it was really DeBrell that was dragging the combined production down. He posted a 9.31 ERA in 40 innings, which is really, really, really bad. Uh, so the team was kind of solid in July. They went 16-13, and 13, but they really plummeted in August. They won 10 games and lost 21, and they ended up going 32-44 and 44 in the second half, which is dead last in the division. And... Um, in a segment later on the show, I'm going to talk with one of our team members, John Trubin, about this, but I'll bring it up now. Um, Binghamton was in the pits when it, come, when it came to attendance. Uh, they drew the fewest fans in the entire Eastern League, and that's a trend that goes back years and years and years, and it's a combination of things. The weather up there in Binghamton is, you know, not great in April and May. It's pretty cold. Binghamton itself... Not necessarily the best place, uh, you know, a few other factors, but basically with all the changes that Major League Baseball is saying they want to happen in the minors, Binghamton is kind of under threat of being contracted, for lack of better words. Uh, according to Bill Madden from the Daily News, uh, like we and a lot of other people were kind of guessing a few weeks ago when all these kind of crazy changes were announced, uh, you know, the Cyclones, Brooklyn Cyclones, are basically going to become the new double-A team since the New York Penn League is going to be eliminated. And the Binghamton, Met, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are just going to, poof, disappear. And ironically, Binghamton is hosting the Eastern League All-Star Game next season. So if Rob Manford's plan to basically ruin minor league baseball is pushed through, like, as is, as as it's been presented... It's basically going to be, uh, you know, a, a Binghamton farewell tour in addition to a, a, an All-Star game. So, um, overall, what did you guys think of, you know, we can get, we'll, we'll get to individual players in a little bit, but did you find Binghamton exciting, kind of boring, the team you forgot, the team you're most interested in? What did you guys think? There are a lot of teams on the Mets that they, were uh they were mildly interesting for a bit. Um you know, obviously we followed Anthony Kay's season very closely. Oh boy. Um 
<laughs> Some of us it, more closely than others. In more ways than one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Kay was there. Peterson was there. Uh, Jimenez was there. I'd say mildly interesting, but also kind of sad. I mean, yeah. it'd be a lot more. It'd be a lot more interesting if. Imenez and Peterson had been good, which uh, neither of them were. Yeah, no, that was really just just the offense as a whole was just really bad. I mean, who who was the league leader? Oh, not the league leader, the team leader here. Uh, Braxton Braxton Lee. All right, they got they like the a minor league rule five draft pick. Yeah, he he, he led the team batting average at the two seventy five batting average. Mm-hmm. Jason Krizan was the best hitter on the team by WRC plus. Edgardo Fermin <laughs> had a good like forty plate appearances or so. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> uh, he hit 314, 390, 457 in mm. 40, 42 plate appearances. Interesting. Not really. But yeah, there were a lot of org guys on this team. Yeah, yeah. Patrick um, Mazeka, he led the team in 16 homers. So, yeah. Puts things in perspective. A lot of minor league free agents, a lot of kind of independent filler guys. And that, you know, uh, when you when you start looking at, you know, how the Mets draft and how there's a lot of guys that get weeded out fairly early in the process because, you know, they were not identified correctly. You know, I, I don't know the best way of putting that, but, you know, when they were drafted, they were thought of as being better than they actually were. So they get weeded out a much earlier than they probably should if the team was was drafting a bit better. And that's how you wind up with, you know, a double-A team with the likes of Jason Jason Crazan and Barrett Barnes and Braxton Lee and Dario Pisano and... Uh, Resmendi Alcantara, that was, a, that was a pretty good, actually, pickup, minor league free agent. Because he is still kind of young, and he did actually have a decent season. Mm-hmm. And in theory, you know, that maybe is a little bit of life there. But he he could have been like the speed guy off the bench in the playoffs, but or Braxton Lee could have been that. But Sam Haggerty. All <laughs> yeah. right, so I forgot, said we got I forgot Sam about Sam Haggerty. That trade is so pathetic, right? It's like. <laughs> Walker Lockett and Sam Haggerty are so entirely forgettable, but Puecki was so unbelievably bad that we've just not thought about it at all. Yeah, it's a net neutral. <laughs> like, Puecki was pretty terrible, but also we didn't really get much for him, so. No. Whatever. Apparently, uh, I don't recall lists at all. But apparently, <laughs> a guy named Alfredo Escalera Maldonado played in seven games for Binghamton. Who? Exactly. Whomst? Alfredo Escalera Maldonado. How do we spell that one? Maldonado uh, is fairly either easy, but the middle uh, one might be a challenge. Escalera. Escalera. 
Escalera. Okay, man, not that hard. E S C O L E R A. Escalera. C A. Close enough. Eh, whatever. But yeah, huh? And I mean, we follow. You know, we we kind of micromanage things at AA with our everyday daily prospect reports, and I have no recollection of this guy. I wonder if he just like. He also played in 14 games for St. Lucie too. What the hell? Oh, he's one of the up and down guys. How many how many days do we combine for? I had two days a week. I had two. You had two? How many do you have, Steve? Uh, Two, I think, yeah. So how the hell did we miss this guy? (laughs) If we're having six (laughs) days of the week, how did we? (laughs) He must have only played on the days that Thomas was doing it. Uh Uh-huh. Played once a week. (laughs) Well... Alfredo Escalera, if you're listening, come on the pod. Tell us about your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was riveting. <laughs> we apparently all three missed it, so <laughs> would love to hear about it. I drove through Binghamton or past Binghamton for going upstate recently. It's There's not a lot up there. I'd like to know what they do when they're not playing baseball. Meh. Exist in the vast void that is New York, north of. They, uh, I'm, I'm sure they all golf. Ugh. Oh, the players. Probably, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> when My they're suggestion not. Then. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the players are doing math. Literally. Nice. And like, you can't even speculate about the population because it's like a college town. So during yep. the summer months when they're playing baseball, there's literally no one there. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's probably why their attendance is so. Awful. Yeah, uh, as as I will, like I said, as I speak with John about this kind of stuff, we go into it a little bit more detail later. But it's a combination of a lot of things. The, the college being, you know, it being a college town is a pretty big thing. Binghamton is extremely, extremely, extremely poor. Yeah, um, that's you know a, a big factor as well. And when it's like you know. I mean, from 50 a profit, degrees in May. Who wants to go out? From from a pure profit margin, yeah, it probably doesn't make sense to have a team in Binghamton. But uh, is that really what we're what we're using the what the criteria for minor league baseball is now? It apparently is. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a quick break here, and after these messages, we'll go over some of the individual performances. Uh, from the 2019 Binghamton Rumble Puppies. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Steve Sleipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. And if you joined us earlier, you know Binghamton 2019 season, eh, not the best. But there were some solid uh, players, prospects, farmhands, whatever you want to call them. So let's just kind of briefly go over everybody. And... Give me some quick opinions about if you feel that their stock is up, down, or holding, I guess. First, we have Andres Jimenez, who hit 250, 309, 387 in 117 games with nine homers and 28 stolen bases in 44 attempts. As we've gone over a few times on the podcast and on the, on the actual site itself, we know that Jimenez's swing kind of got tinkered with um, 
it did have its intended effect because it did hit nine homers, which is the most that he's ever hit. But obviously his batting average uh, plummeted. So he, he kind of recovered a little bit in the AFL, but don't know if that's just kind of short sample size statistical noise. We do know that his swing did get cleaned up a little bit. So maybe, you know, the result of, of that is why he hit uh 340 something and won the AFL batting title. But whatever the case may be, do you guys, what do you think? Stock up, down, or holding? As compared to, you know, th- this time last season, I, I guess. I think it's down, but I'm not sure if it should be as down as it is. Does that make sense? I, I, I understand what you're saying. I kind like, of um, I think. A lot has been made about him having a bad season when it was really just a meh season, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I was doing the best players I saw write-ups for Jimenez, which which was posted last Monday, I, I, he ended up with a, a WRC plus of 105, which... Which, like, is not is ideal. still above... Right, I mean, it's not what you, you know. want your top prospect or second best prospect or whatever he was. Especially when he's like a hit tool dependent guy and that the variance on that is going to be a little higher. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you're 5% better than league average, that's still better than league Yeah, it's average. not a disaster. Like, <laughs> How old is he still? 20. 20. Uh, he's, well, he's, 20 he's 21 now. Okay. That... But it was his age 20 season. He's like fine. just 21. It's totally fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's still very young. Um, I, I still am a very strong believer in the glove. And the speed. And the speed. Um, but really, like, he's a special defender. Um, it's, is what I've always taken away from seeing him play. Like, he gets to a lot of balls that you would be, you know, you would think would end up hits. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's probably closer to like the back end of the top hundred prospects in baseball. I would probably argue on a true talent level should be like 60 or something. Yep. To uh, text, like <laughs> I would, I would honestly make the argument that his stock should be, should not be down at all. Um, it should be, it should be holding, but, uh, uh, I would say a lot of the time prospects turn into if you're not improving, you're getting worse. Um, so I think uh, I honestly don't see much difference between him now and where he was last season. Um, but I suspect the minor effects of prospect fatigue will knock him like 20 spots down lists roughly when they really probably shouldn't. Uh, yeah, a lot of his value is tied. Well, not tied, but a lot. A lot of his value is in the glove, and there were no, you know, in, in the couple of games that I saw him play, and just the games that I watched online, or just saw, you know, gifts of whatever. There was no real uh, drop in defensive ability. But the dude still projects as like a plus at short. Like, I don't want to throw a plus-plus on it, but it's a... It's yeah, a, he's a damn good shortstop. Right, mm-hmm. like, that... And he should be able to hit at least a little bit. Yeah. That alone is already a major leaguer. 
He can also steal a base. Like, that's a, a useful player without much improvement. I think I'm also more confident in the glove than I have been, uh, you know, for most pros- like shortstop prospects in a while. Just having like seen him make plus short, plus shortstop plays look semi routine, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, uh, you don't ever hear his name being linked with you know may have to move off the position, you know center field like, may be an option. It's no, just, now no, now you he hear shortstop. may for he has Rosario like a history. yeah he has like a polish that Rosario didn't you know, mm-hmm. um, and Rosario still doesn't have. Yeah, I don't know if it's realistic to think it's going to happen at that point, but he's fine. (laughs) All right, now, next up, David Thompson. He posted a 419 ERA in 116 innings with 119 hits allowed, 37 walks issued, and 122 strikeouts. Up, down, or holding? Wait, who? David Peterson. David Peterson. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I do that a lot because <laughs> I, I, when did he convert to pitching? We should must... make like a swear jar, but for when Steve does that with David Thompson and David Peterson, I do that pretty often. <laughs> I don't know why either. Just those two. <laughs> Down, I think. Uh, because the same idea I just applied to Jimenez, that being that if you're not improving you're getting worse uh i think that does start to become true once you hit once you be rise into a certain age once you get to a certain age in terms of prospect status and peterson is there and it seems like this is what he is doesn't strike a ton of guys out doesn't have elite control gives up a lot of hits yeah just like thoroughly unexciting like the thing is, he did strike out a lot of guys, and he did have a pretty good walk ratio. I think his. I mean, he had a good season. He had, yeah, like, no, the, know, season... the stuff still doesn't really pop. You know, uh, I'm saying, I'm saying in terms of like major league projection, I don't think he strikes out a lot of guys, nor do I trust his control. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I don't think that you know, if you if you put him in a major league, either bullpen or rotation right now, and just let him. Good, bad, whatever, over the course of an entire season, probably six to seven Ks per nine, which is not terrible, terrible, but yeah, it's not great either. Who else was on that infield for Binghamton? Um, Michael Piaz, Patrick Mazaika. I wonder if he got into uh, any games as a catcher, Piaz. Louis Carpio. So it's not a bad defensive infield, it seems like. Like, cause I'm, lo- I'm looking at the line right now and like, he gave up a lot of hits, but it's 340 Babip. Some of that might be due to the defenders behind him. At the same time, he also gave up a 20% line drive rate, which, not great, Bob. Yeah, I think that's more of a lack of like, dynamic strikeout stuff than... And it's, it seems like he's the kind of guy who just, uh, either exists around the zone, in which case he, won't walk a lot of people, but will give up strikes. And at this level, his stuff is good enough to induce an occasional swing and miss. But if he continues to live this much in the zone as he goes up, the stuff won't fool people anymore. The strikeouts will go down. He'll continue to get hit harder. He might start to nibble more and, and then walk more guys. Not dissimilar to, uh, uh, oh my god, my brain. 
My Take mind, brain. Corey Oswald, Chris Flexen, basically. Rafael every, Montero is who I Montero, was thinking of. Yeah. Basically, every like kind of back end rotation star that the Mets have promoted. Yeah. Was, like, like Montero, five put years. Up, Montero put up these great minor league stat lines because he could fill up the zone with his mediocre fastball and a decent changeup. And like no one in the minors can hit even an okay changeup. And then suddenly he gets to the major leagues where guys can hit an okay changeup. And he can't exist in the zone as much anymore, so he starts to nibble. I could see Tom. I, I could see Peterson. <laughs> I did it again. Yep. I could That's see two dollars nibbler. <laughs> who gets? So who gets the money? Is my question. Do Ken and I split uh, it? Is, is that? We'll have to look into this. I say we just mail it to Ty Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty random, but okay. <laughs> Just send him, like, an envelope with six bucks. <laughs> By the end of this podcast, there might be even more, who knows, <laughs> at the rate that I'm going. Mm. All right, well, moving on from David Peterson now. Um, there was Anthony Kay. He had a 149 ERA in 66.1 innings with 38 hits allowed, 23 walks issued, and 70 strikeouts. And then he got promoted to AAA. There were some growing pains in Syracuse. But, of course, he was traded to Toronto, and he was assigned to Buffalo. He didn't embarrass himself there. And then when he got promoted to the Blue Jays for a couple of starts, he was solid yet unspectacular. Obviously, he's no longer in the system now, but do we have any parting words, parting advice, whatever, for uh, Anthony Kay and his new Blue Jay team? Yeah. Uh, good luck, I guess. Keep spamming that curve. Yep. Yep. All right. Good luck, Anthony K. <laughs> Next up is Stephen Valines, and he had a 120 ERA in 45 innings. We had 34 hits allowed, 14 walks, and 42 strikeouts. And he was promoted to AAA, and he had some trouble adjusting to AAA in the ball there. So stock up, down, or holding. Down. Yeah, this makes me sad. Mm. I'm very sad. Basically, like everything that was exciting, kind of backtracked. Hey, if the, if the like the the refrain was always this might not work in the high minors. If it wasn't gonna work in the high minors, this is what I was gonna look like. <sighs> Damn it. I had so much hope for you, Valines. Well, you can counter that in 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 a way by looking at the success that he had in Binghamton, in Binghamton, and you know, convincing yourself that the better prospects and whatnot are in Double A, whereas Triple A is full of just kind of the retreads and guys that you know. Aren't the best major league? Aren't maybe the best players to be indicative of major league talent? And obviously, that new ball was all wacky. But yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, you'd expect him to be somebody who escapes the new ball effect, since he's like got that weird sidearm funky nonsense and gets ground balls. But well, yeah, all you just need is to be hit in the air. Yep. He gave up 
a lot of fly balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's the other thing, right? Like when his stuff stops working, guys are gonna when he's when his stuff stops fooling people, guys are gonna elevate it, and that didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, eighty-five mile per hour fastball or so is uh, on a plate. Uh, batter's eyes kind of go wide, like, ooh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone who's ever played baseball has experienced that. When they, like, put in a pitcher they you know is not going to throw as, as hard or as hard as someone you were facing previously. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I can hit this. And then Jamie Moyer made a career of proving how, how the hell? How the hell? <laughs> Well, I've, I don't remember where it was that I remember reading something, but supposedly there is, you know, if you, if you assume like a, a major league fastball is 90 or so plus, and a batting, you know, a, a, a fastball that you could tee off of is about, you know, in, in the 80s or so, low, low to mid 80s. Something that is sufficiently slower than that is actually Fools batters just like a, a fastball with velocity does because it's just too slow. And part of Moyer's success and other guys that kind of threw really slow fastballs and junk was because of stuff like that, just fooling the batters, but in an opposite <laughs> velocity. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is Will Toffee. And he hit 219, 347, 349 in 91 games with five homers and five stolen bases in eight attempts. Stock up, down, or holding? Yeah, holding. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm less confident that uh, he's going to be able to hit for the kind of average that would allow the on-base skills to play. But... That was pretty much the story last year, so yeah, holding. Still, I'm still mildly interested because I love guys who have such a mature approach at the plate. Um, let's put it that way. Uh, like I'd still be interested to see if he turns into like um, uh, who was that first baseman for the A's and like the late. 2000s, early 2010s. Not a lot of power. Derek Barton. Mm. Like a player like that. Uh, or something similar to that off the bench. But yeah, he's probably nothing. Just entertaining to me because I like walks. <laughs> Alright, well next up is a, is a guy that had a similar uh, walkie season in Ali Sanchez. He hit 278, 337, 337. In 71 games with one homer and one stolen base. I up down. What do we got? I'd say up, honestly. Uh, now let me refresh my memory before I say other, any other nonsense that's blatantly wrong, which I am want to do on this show. I'd say hold. Uh... Yeah, I'd bump it up a little bit. Like, he essentially, he improved his batting line going from advanced A to double A. It's not a particularly appealing batting line, but he's a catcher, so... He's he's basically the next Tomas Nito. Yeah. 
you know. And I think uh, uh, Tomas Nino and their like have uh, major league roles for a while. Like Jeff Mathis kept getting jobs. Oh no, he's he's, yeah, he's gonna catch forever. And like, look, these are the. It's always good when you can develop guys like this internally because then you don't need to waste three million dollars on a backup catcher every year. You just pay someone the league minimum. Spend that money on like your bullpen or something. So yeah, like, right. Yeah, well, the Mets, uh, the Mets spend that money on. Uh, I mean, you should want to have a better second catcher than Tomas Nito, but <laughs> I don't, I don't even know that I agree with that. I think like backup Sorry. catcher is one of the most like overblown. It gets spots exacerbated on the because Wilson Ramos really shouldn't be catching every well, day. That's that's a, a Mets specific so issue. Really, the Mets have one catcher between the two of them. That's that's a fair point. Um, if they had Yasmani Grandal, sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like so I, I, I didn't think there's value in it. I, I'm still, again, I, I, I'm not skeptical that he's gonna hit even to Tomas Nitos. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that was again more or less the same profile as last year. I think he's a better hitter than Tomas Nito is That's in terms of just bar. right. Yeah, but obviously Nito has uh, a lot more power than Sanchez has ever displayed. Hmm. I mean, uh, Sanchez is still, what, what is he, 22? Just heading mm-hmm. towards 23? It's not like he's yeah. old. Like, he's no. a double, 22, 23 as a catcher in double A is fine. Like, dude's still, like, if you could continue yeah, to no, post yeah. league average batting lines as a catcher, a decently, a decent defensive catcher, that's a nice player. So, I believe that he is eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Would you yeah. add him? Would you protect him? Let me think. Who else do they have to add? I don't think there's any way another team claims him just to... Oh, I guess he's a cheap backup catcher. Yeah, I could see another team taking him. Um, oh, shoot. I, I think what's more likely is Tomas Nito's going to get sent down at some point, so you're going to need him then because Nito's out of options. So, if they're going to go into the season with two catchers, uh, <laughs> it, Sanchez is probably the next guy up. Uh, let me look at the Mets. Who do they have to protect this year? There are a few guys. Jimenez, Newton, Sapucky, Sanchez, Humphreys, Mazaika, Lindsay, and Carpio. I think you protect Jimenez, Sapaki, excuse me, and, uh, Sanchez. I don't think, I think you protect Sanchez. I don't think anyone would be crazy enough to roster Shervian Newton. See, th- this is actually a weird, uh, an interesting discussion to have because of the new 26th roster spot, right? That might make it easier for, for a team to just draft and stash a guy like Shervian Newton. Just say, alright, yeah, you're not gonna play at all this year, but <laughs> you're toolsy, we're gonna hold on to you. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it's not much different losing like 80 games, 90 games with 25 men versus 26. So. Yeah, exactly. If you're a rebuilding team, you could probably really pretty easily, you know, hide a, an A-ball infielder that. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing for these guys. Like, I guess they get major league time and, but, but perhaps it stunts their development. That's a very, that's a long discussion that, Smarter people than me should have. Um, 
still though, I think I think he protects the pucky. Menes obviously, I think he protects the pucky and Sanchez, and you just hope that uh, no one is is bold enough to to steal Newton like that. Honestly, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think we were talking about this on the podcast with Columbia a few weeks ago. I feel like every team has a Newton. Yeah. You know, there's toolsy guys in the lower minors of every team, and nothing really about him stands out as unique. He's that, still like a project, too. Yeah, know. yeah. I, I think it would be unrealistic to think that he could hit. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 in the I don't think system, it's likely. Yeah. Yeah, in the old system, I don't think there's any way he get he would get picked. I'm just intrigued yeah. as to what might happen uh, 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 with the new system. But the same thing with Sanchez. I feel like most teams probably have you know a, a kind of solid defender. Solid defensive catcher, but you know, probably light hitting, whatever you want to call it, somewhere in their minors. And I don't think that you know Sanchez, anything about him specifically is unique that would want you know that that would prompt a team to select him other than his you know okay season and then proximity to the majors. But for every Ali Sanchez, there's a guy like you know or Rene Rivera, whatever, who can just be had with. A minor league. I mean, with a yeah, probably a minor league free agent contract. Yeah, there's not as much upside as uh, a Rule Five ad would probably have. No, you'd have you'd have to really buy into him being able to hit like 270 and think you could unlock some power. All right, moving on now. Let's look at Harold Gonzalez. He had a 3.14 ERA. In 97.1 innings, allowing 83 hits, walking 23, and striking out 89. And then he's promoted to AAA for about a month and a half or so, and he pitched pretty well there. He posted a 2.68 ERA in 40.1 innings, um, though his strikeout rate did plummet from 22.8 in Binghamton to 14.3% in Syracuse. So, stock up, down, or holding for... Mini Pedro. Uh, I'd say up. Yeah, I'd say up. Definitely up in terms of his. Pretty good uh, chance he makes the big leagues next year. Yeah, 100%. Big league innings next year, so. I believe that he is a minor league free agent at the end of the year. Well. The end of next year. The end of, yes, the end. The end of the year already came and went. Yeah, yeah. The end of next year he's a free agent, I'm pretty sure. So. They would need to act with him. Look, they're already talking about Robert Gesellman, fifth starter. <laughs> uh, yeah, things could get bleak fast. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with Harold is, I mean, his stuff is, you know, that the fastball is, you know, not that great. The, the secondary stuff is, you know, pretty average across the board. And. I think pretty much everybody expected him to kind of, you know, get worse, get worse, get worse as he climbed up the minor league ladder. And last year he had some time in Vegas and he was not good at all. But surprisingly, he was really good in Syracuse. And I'm not going to say that the ball, that the environment in Syracuse is equal to how it was last year in the PCL because the PCL is its own beast. But obviously... 
the, the international league this year was was more of a hitters league than a pitchers league, and he really I think expect uh, exceeded expectations. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, we'll move on to a guy that now did not live up to expectations whatsoever in Tony Debrell. And he posted a 931 ERA in 38.2 innings, allowing 51 hits, walking 21, and striking out 37. And that was after he posted a 239 ERA in 90 innings with St. Lucie. So, night and day. You're, uh, you said you were getting better at the AV stuff. That'd be a good time to put in that sad trombone effect. It would bum, be. Bum, bum, <laughs> yeah, not great. And the thing is, I was I was not able to. I didn't see him pitch in person when I saw Binghamton. I don't think anybody else on the team that saw Binghamton saw him pitch. I don't think anybody from our friends over at BP saw him pitch in person. So I don't know what the exact issue was because he was pretty good in St. Lucie. Um, I think he's a little old in St. Lucie to begin with, so he's probably overpowering, you know, some of those guys down there. But you know, he's logged plenty of innings in college and in the minors in the Met system, so it's not like he got tired towards the end of the season. As far as we know, he wasn't injured or anything like that. As far as we know, there weren't any massive, you know, drops in how good the stuff was. So I don't know. It's just what do you what odd. do you think the fastball was sitting? I mean, generally he sits in the low nineties. I like I was saying, I did not hear anything saying otherwise. So I don't know. And obviously, if there was, you know, if all of a sudden his fastball was like, you know, eighty-seven to eighty-nine, there would be a giant red flag that okay, something is wrong, but. No reports out there about any kind of diminished velocity. No reports about diminished stuff. So I don't know. An odd year for him. Yeah, very. Um, a fellow teammate from both teams, though, he didn't uh, really succumb to the same kind of problems that DeBrell had, and that was Kevin Smith. Um when he was in high A, he posted a 3.05 ERA in 85.2 innings. And then when he was promoted to Binghamton in late July, he posted a 3.45 ERA in 31.1 innings, allowing 25 hits, walking 15, and striking out 28. Obviously, the the strikeout rate and the walk rate was a little became a little iffy in those limited innings, but everything else was decent enough. And, you know, we've we've talked about him a bit on a couple of past shows. He's kind of loogie-ish, but a solid season for him all around. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he was really on any of our radars heading into the season, right? I, I don't remember talk, us talking about him too much beforehand. No. Yeah, not really. I mean, he's uh, still not really on my radar, but... I mean, now he's now fine. we he's like... <laughs> Reasonably close to making major league starts for the Mets. Yeah, I think that he'll I mean, definitely. Yeah, I think he's he'll definitely pitch for the team next year. And yeah, I, I would imagine that he's not too far away from being like a loogie. I mean, if if Daniel Zamora, I would assume that he gets first crack. But if he does not, 
perform particularly well as a kind of left-handed reliever, then I expect to see Smith. I think um I think he was uh John wrote him up, right? Yes. Uh the gif in that I legit watched like four times before realizing it wasn't Daniel Zamora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are cut from They look very similar. Very similar. Mm-hmm. I'm just now realizing I'm the only civilized person on this pod who correctly Don't do pronounces Chief. Nope. Nope. Chief. That makes no sense. You can cut this out. Interface right? format. <laughs> the guy who invented it says it's GIF. Well, he he's gets, clearly wrong. But no, it's his invention. He gets to call it whatever he wants. He doesn't. That's the problem. He totally does. How do you get GIF from graphic interface format? Because... Do we say, do we say graphic? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we don't. English doesn't make any sense, as is Steve. He can call it whatever he wants. That is very true. That is very, very true. Uh, all right, well, were there any other performances from anyone else from Binghamton that you think noteworthy enough to just kind of bring up? I feel uh, like I covered everybody for the most part. I did forget Nicky Janis, but he is an enigma in and of himself, so... I wanted to bring him up because I just found out he's actually a minor league free agent. I'll be very sad if they don't bring him back. <laughs> Yeah, he is the league, uh. He, he is the mayor of Binghamton, New York. Yes, he is the franchise leader in innings pitched, wins, a lot of things belong to him. I would be sad if he doesn't come back, but. I, I don't know, I feel like the Mets will. Because who else do they have to pitch also? Think of it like that. Mm-hmm. Must be, it would always be fun if he had an off chance of making the majors. Were there any knuckleballers in the majors last year even? I do not believe so. Because that one Red Sox dude is, like, gone, so I think... Th- and Dickie wasn't pitching, so... Shame. I'm sure maybe a, a handful of knuckleballs were thrown by pitchers just as kind of one of those crap, I can't get you out with anything else, let's see if this works kind mm-hmm. of situations, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not There was no one, as far as I know, though, that is a dedicated user of the pitch. All right, uh, I think that pretty much covers the team and everybody on it. Anybody noteworthy on it? Yeah, not a great season. Hopefully next year. Well, next year might be. Next even... year might be their last. Yeah, might be their last, and I don't think it'll be a particularly inspiring roster then either. But we'll see. You're not no. excited for the uh, Carlos Cortez experience to reach the uh, highest. <laughs> Had to bring him up. Of course. <laughs> One million dollars for he's like fancy pants Luke Ritter, who might not be as good as Luke Ritter. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like Luke Ritter is a better is a better eye. Yeah, Luke Ritter might be better for like <laughs> a tenth of the cost. Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. I think we drafted him once. If we draft him again, he must be good. If only it worked like that. All right, um, well, we're going to take another break. When I get back, I'm going to speak with John Troopin about the city of Binghamton itself. Hey, everybody, welcome back. And I'm now joined by someone who wears many hats, John Troopin. Uh, in addition to being an amazing Avenue contributor, he's also a contributor over at Lookout Landing, 
He's a Hard War Times contributor and a Baseball Perspectives contributor. John, how's it going? It's going well. How you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. So the first thing I want to ask you, very simple, Rumble Ponies, yes or no? <laughs> uh, I'm a yes. I, I mean, I'm I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm used to some. I'm used to the Aqua Sox. I'm used to the Rainiers. Uh, I thought it was a, a pretty interesting name. It got me to look up what on what in the world is a Rumble Pony. Uh, you know, I, I think anything that's a little bit interesting is is worth putting into baseball. Yeah, basically all the finalists in that contest to name the team were pretty interesting. There were the bullheads, there was the mm-hmm. gobblers, mm-hmm. rocking horses, stud muffins, timber jockeys. <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a little bit. It is a little bit strange because like Brandios, I think, is the company now that, that does like all the rebrands for the minor league teams. So it feels like it's it's like a little bit too corporate in some sense. But, you know, I mean, that one at least, like, it incorporates some of the local history. You know, it's the logos are good. I mean, the logos are, are you know, actually somehow managed to be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, you know, I, I think it's fun. Uh, I don't, I wonder how you'd feel about it as a player, but, um, yeah, you know, I think it's, I think it's neat. I mean, I guess better to be a rumble pony than a stud muffin. Yes, but, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, if you had the final say, uh, would you have picked one of those other ones over Rumble Pony? I, I like Rumble Pony. I mean, I, I think it's uh, Stud Muffin is is bizarre, and and <laughs> I mean, like I, the, you know, a few of them are they're they're interesting, but yeah, I mean, there, there's already like in the league, you know, you got Iron Pigs. I feel like there's a lot of like we, you got the sort of adjective noun kind of set up there. Do you have any ideas for what you would have done? What what if you had the option, um, you know, for a better team name? Oh man, I mean the gamblers, right? That would have been kind of fun, or some something related there. Because I mean, I, I know there's sort of like I, I don't know if that's like a you know you'd get in trouble there, but yeah. I, I know I know you got if you could go like, Kennesaw the, the, Man, this is rolling the <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll he'll be all right, you know. But like the bingo <laughs> the bingo gamblers, I feel like that'd be kind of fun. Um, I, I feel like that that's a good way you could go, but. They, they did okay. All right. So, um, well, the name is all right, but attendance, generally speaking, has not been good for Binghamton. They yeah. were at the bottom of the Eastern League this year. Um, mm. They were second to last the year before. They were mm. dead last in 2017 and pretty much dead last going back every single year to 2010. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Binghamton has seen better days. Um, right. You know, a, a large portion of the population is living under the poverty line. And the weather is not the best in the spring for baseball. But, you know, do you think there's anything that they could be doing up there to kind of get the fans into the stadium more? Because Trenton and Reading, they have similar median incomes and poverty rate figures and stuff. And they're usually, you know, the top third or so in attendance. A little warmer, obviously, but... Mm. It's uh, you'd you'd think it wouldn't be so dramatic, you know. I, I think you, you you sort of hit the nail on the head. Like there are other you know organizations, there are other there are other places with similar situations. I you know it's it's not like it's you know dirt cheap, but I mean you know it's like ten bucks to get in the in the stadium typically, and or you know eight to ten bucks. And I know I don't know quite how much like. You know, family day they're doing or, you know, bringing in a whole bunch of school kids and things like that. But, you know, it, it's a, once you're in the ballpark, like it's it's one of the nicer ballparks that I've been to. It's it's 
So, you know, it's, it's not going to blow you out of the water with amenities, but I mean, every, you know, you've got a good view at every seat. They've got a nice little spot. I, I think that they really miss out on, um, compared to some of the other ballparks I've seen, um, is that they don't necessarily have a great setup for like the, the sort of, the young adult group of people, you know, who would, who would might come out and like, you'd get some drinks and you'd, you'd watch a game. Um, mm-hmm. cause, cause I think, you know, if, if they're getting, you know, the, the kids and they're getting, you know, the sort of school day kind of thing. And, you know, there's only so much you can do with that. But if they, if they had sort of a nice area, maybe either in the outfield or, or just somewhere, cause right now it's like you come in out of the parking lot, there's a little area you can sort of stand, but you can barely see the field if you can at all. It's like, there's no reason you should be at a minor league game and not able to see the baseball at all times, right? Like yeah. there's just, you know, yeah. So that, I think that really hurts them. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, the, just the economics of the town, it, unfortunately, are, are somewhat unavoidable there. Yeah, so, of all the stadiums you've been to, how would you rate? Uh, excuse me, how would you rate Niceg? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of, I would, I would call it actually a little bit above average. I mean, as as someone who, um, you know, who who would enjoy like having a little bit more, um. You know, I, I love a stadium where you can walk around the field, um, and see it, you know, no matter where you are as you walk around. It, it kind of sucks to go, you know, have to kind of go underneath the ballpark, essentially be underground if you want to go, you know, go to the team store, or go get, you know, some food or things like that. Um, so, so that's, that's a bit too bad, but I mean, it really is like once you're, once you're at the, once you're getting to a seat, like every, every seat is solid. It's, it's, Pretty, pretty nice. They've got a nice sort of standing room, uh, area down the right field line, uh, near the, near the speedy hut. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I went to Lakewood for a couple games this year, which I thought was really nice. I, I wouldn't put it quite, um, quite on that level, but you know, it's, it, it was, uh, it was one of the, one of the nicer spots that I've been to. Uh, they just, I think they just need maybe a little more refinement or, or just some, some, some better, sort of creativity to, to get folks in the park. You mentioned speedies and yes. those are, uh, you know, a, a Binghamton original, I guess. You yeah, call it. Uh, basically for anyone that's never had one or heard of it or whatever, it's a shish kebab meat on like a roll or a piece of mm-hmm. Italian bread, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had one. Are they worth the hype? I have had one and it was at the ballpark cause I, cause I, they had speedies and I said, okay, I, you know, this is what I gotta do. I, I will say I was a little underwhelmed, uh, unfortunately. They, it's just, I think the idea is solid. I think he, this particular bit of execution is a little, I mean, should the bread to, to meat ratio was a little bit rough. It's, it ends up being a little dry. I mean, you, you know, if you put some sort of, you know, you put something, some garlic something in there just to, just to kind of keep it from getting dry, it's fabulous. But, but if you're just essentially putting shish kebab meat on a big old roll, I mean, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be chewing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that was, uh, that was what I ran into, unfortunately. So, um, like the, Times that you've been to Binghamton, just how would you rate, you know, the city itself? Um, Good experience, bad experience. It had a kind of, it had its own kind of soul, its own kind of beat to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I like things. I mean, part of it is to to sort of pull back the veil. So I live in Cooperstown, New York right now, which on the one hand is delightful as a 
you know, <laughs> baseball fan. On the other hand, there are literally 1,700 people here. So, uh, Binghamton, it feels like a dang metropolis. Like, Binghamton is the nearest Wegmans. Like, it's where, like, near, the nearest, you know, a bunch of different grocery stores. I mean, just in, from a pure, like, functionality standpoint, it's, it's easy to get excited to go, about going to Binghamton when you live, uh, when, you know, there's a price chopper and that's about it. Um, but I mean, no, it was, it was pretty nice. Uh, you know, I got some, some pretty solid just Italian food dinner, uh, one time when we were there. Um, you know, I, it's a place I'd like to check out more and, and I would love for the, uh, the team to sort of, have a bit of a resurgence too, um, to sort of help draw that in. Cause you know, it's a, it's a cool place and it's a reasonably, uh, you know, central spot on the way through the, through the state. Um, when we've been talking about the teams, other teams, you know, in the system in relation to the cities that they're in and everything, one yeah. thing that I've noticed for a couple of the teams, um, Columbia, especially because it was in a college town mm-hmm. is like, the team itself felt secondary to the college. Obviously, yeah. Binghamton University is there. It's right. you know one of the one of the more major uh, SUNY schools. Right. Do you think that Binghamton University, like the sports aspect of it, kind of outshine the the Binghamton Mets? Uh, excuse I, me, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. I don't know. You slipped up there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it was to some degree. I, I will say, uh, you know, if there was a sign, if you know, if there was like a big old signage somewhere, um, you know, it would be Rumble Pony stuff. I saw a fair number, you know, just as we we drive down and stop and get coffee, I saw like a lot of Rumble Ponies merch. Um, so I do think like I think the outside the box kind of naming thing may start to bear fruit for them just because it, it did lead to even though obviously it, it pulls them slightly away from being the Mets. I, I think it did um I, I think it did sort of draw a little bit more individuality uh for them and I am hopeful that that's gonna build into it. But you know, there certainly was, you know, it there was a lot of, of college stuff in the town. All right. Well uh do you have anything you'd like to plug before we go? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I was down at the, um, at the Arizona Fall League. So I'm, as, as you know, Steve, I'm, I'm finishing up. So there should be something for, for folks to look at some of the Mets AFL guys, um, in the next week or so. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. Yeah. All right. Everybody, this is John Troopin. Thank you. Um, check out all of his stuff over at AA, and then also look at Landing, Hardball Times, BP. He's all over the place. John, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined by Lucas and Ken once again. And do you guys have any last words for the week? Sign Yasmani Grindall. Uh, promote Harold. <laughs> Literally, that's the only thing I care about this offseason is to freaking sign Yasmani Grandal, but it won't happen, and I'll be left heartbroken once again. Just like last year. (sighs) Best catcher in baseball available. Nah. Listen, when you have the opportunity to upgrade your team, you do not take that opportunity. Yeah, you upgrade your uh, uh, bank account instead. Exactly. 
All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Seipa. Lucas is, is at Elvlahos343. And Ken is at KenLevin91. Subscribe to our podcast if you already have not. And please rate and review it. And, of course, we thank everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week with a recap of the Syracuse Mets. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.